Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zorka. Africa, Amuka na Unai. Good morning and a very warm welcome to Africa Rise and Shine. This is Channel Africa from an African perspective and we're coming to you live in Johannesburg, South Africa. We are on the frequency 7230 kHz on the 41 meter band to Southern Africa and on 15255 kHz on the 19 meter band to West Africa as well as DSTV's audio bouquet channel 802. I'm Lulu Gabu. In studio with Anne Musa, Tabiso Luhoko and Figile Lingwati. In our top stories, mixed reaction to elections of South Africa's ruling ANC new leaders and Zimbabwe's army ends intervention which forced Robert Mugabe to resign. In economics news, South Africa's power utility deny reports that its suspended CEO has been reinstated and in sports news, Zimbabwean cricket team to be tested under lights. But first up, the news with Anne Musa. A very good morning to you, I'm Anne Musa. Delegates at South Africa's ruling ANC's 54th National Conference will now vote for 80 members of the party's National Executive Committee, the NEC. The party's day four of the conference is being held at Nazarek, south of Johannesburg. There will be great interest in whether the same patterns emerge as with the election of the party's top six leadership last night. Women and KwaZulu-Natal province fared badly, as Mbali Sibanyone reports. The NEC is the highest decision-making body of the ANC between conferences, and as delegates vote, they will try and find an intergenerational mix in expertise. After the woman lost with the top six dominated by men, delegates will try to ensure that the same picture doesn't play itself out in the NEC. The other issue to watch out for is whether KZN, the biggest province, which is not represented at the officials level, will have some sizable representativity at the NEC. The opposition in South Africa Democratic Alliance has described the newly elected ruling ANC's top leadership as a corrupt group of people. The ruling party elected Cyril Ramaphosa as its new president. Mpumalanga Premier David Mabuza was elected deputy president and Free State Premier Ace Mahashule is now the Secretary General. DA leader Musi Maimani says he does not see the new crop of leaders improving the lives of South Africans. We've had a tenure of Titimabuza in, in Mpumalanga. Titimabuza has shown without doubt that Mpumalanga has been captured and high levels of corruption there. Esma Fashule, likewise, who is now the new Secretary General of the ANC. So really, it is more of the same that is coming, except with a different face in Cyril Ramaphosa. So when you look at it at the real numbers, and you look at an understanding as to whether that doesn't symbolize a change, it just brings a change in the face of the president. 
Zimbabwean President Emerson Mnangagwa has announced significant changes in the country's military. The major change sees General Philip Sabanda take over as head of the Defence Force from General Constantino Chuenga, who was the public face of last month's military takeover that ousted former President Robert Mugabe. Head of Police Augustine Chuhuri, who was seen as Mugabe's ally, is set to be on leave pending retirement. The army has also announced the end of Operation Restore Legacy and handed back day-to-day policing duties to the police force. The opposition in the Democratic Republic of Congo has ramped up pressure on President Joseph Kabila to quit calling for street protests on Tuesday. Tensions have been mounting over Kabila's refusal to step down. He has been in power since 2001 and the prolonged rule has led to sweeping protests and a bloody crackdown. Kabila's government has pushed back the election by a year to December 23rd next year. Kabila took office after his father Lohong was assassinated in 2001 at the height of the Second Congo War. And finally, six Ugandan opposition lawmakers have been suspended from the legislature amidst heated debate over a bill to abolish the presidential age limit. The lawmakers were suspended on Monday for allegedly disobeying the Speaker of Parliament's orders when they persistently questioned her decisions. Other opposition lawmakers briefly walked out of the chamber, saying they wanted to consult but later returned. The controversial bill seeks to scrap a constitutional clause that prevents any one above 75 from being president. Critics say the bill would allow President Uweru Museveni, who is 73 and ineligible to run again, extend his rule possibly for life. Museveni has ruled since 1986. And that's the news headlines at 8.30 Central African Time. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zorza. Africa, Amuka na Unai. Thank you, Anne. It is 8.06 Central African Time, and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. We're coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. South Africa's ruling African National Congress branches have put a stop to the winner-take-all style of politics. This became evident during the announcement of election results for the national officials at the party's 54th National Congress, currently underway at the NASREC Expo Centre in the south of Johannesburg. Despite this having been a bitter contestation, delegates managed to equally mix candidates from two slates that were running for various leadership positions. Amos Pajo has more. And the distribution of votes is as follows. Comrade Ngosazana Damini Zuma received 2261 votes. And Comrade Cyril Ramaphosa received 2440 votes. The announcement marked an end to months of campaigning marred by acts of mudslinging and character assassination, while Cyril Ramaphosa enjoyed support from a greater number of branches as compared to Dr. Ngozana Lamini Zuma, the voting patterns varied from one position to another. The inclusion of Lindy Wesisulu on Ramaphosa's slate did not bring in numbers. Comrade David Mabuza, 2538 votes. 
Comrade Lindy Wesisulu, 2159 votes. Comrade David Mabuza is the new Deputy President of the African National Congress. ANC Provincial Chairperson in Bumalanga, David Mabuza, played his cast close to the chest by not publicly endorsing any of the front runners, a move that has worked in his favor and he instead indicated that the province will support a unifying candidate. Another surprise was that of emergence of Free State Chairperson Isma Khashule, a Secretary General against Senzom Kunum, who had enjoyed a larger number of nominations ahead of the conference. Comrade Isma Khashule at 2360 votes. Comrade Senzom Kunu, 2336 votes. Jesse Duarte will now serve a second term as Deputy Secretary General of the ANC, while Gwari Mandashi will now take over as Chairperson. Gauteng ANC Chairperson Paul Mashatile has been elected as the new Treasurer General. With the two competing slates now equally represented in the top six, all eyes are on the composition of the National Executive Committee. I'm Amos Paro in Nazarek. South Africa is still trying to process last night's shock announcement of the ruling African National Congress new top six, which emerged at the party's 54th National Elective Conference underway at the Nazrek Expo Center in Johannesburg. Sil Ramaphosa clinched the presidential seat with two candidates from his slate, Gwede Mandashe as the chairperson and Paul Mashatile as the treasurer general. The deputy president, David Mabuza, and the other two members are from the rival camp of defeated Dr. Nkosa Zanatlamini Zuma, who was up against Ramaphosa. Hence, this evenly split top six Laves slave laves many late many wondering leaves many wondering how much unity will there be in the party's decision making moving forward. To try and make sense of these results, we are now joined on the line by political analyst Daniel Silk. Daniel, good morning and thank you so much for joining us. Yes, good to be with you. Good morning. Daniel, shocking, shocking um results yesterday. A clear division in the um, ANC top six in terms of um, the different slates. Uh, so it's like a 3-3 th- split. What do you make of this evenly split top six? Yes, I think the results, in a sense, were largely unsatisfactory to just about everybody, even though uh, Cyril Ramaphosa did sort of eke out a win, and it was a very, very narrow win with only 51% more or less of the voting delegates. Uh, it really is a, um, a, a very, what I would call, unsatisfactory victory for Ramaphosa in that uh, he now has, uh, of course, uh, two of his, um, let us say, enemies or from the enemy camp now uh, holding positions and very senior positions in the top six of the ANC. So Ramaphosa himself now doesn't simply have the large popular mandate that uh, he would have had had he got more of his own supporters into the top six or if he'd had... Uh, closer to 60% of the vote, which now was very, very far away from the final result. And it could very well be that his hands may, may well be tied in terms of what he wants to do or implement as a result of the likes of Ace Madashuli and, of course, David Mabuza, uh, now both holding senior positions and really breathing down his neck every step of the way. So I think it was what I would call a sort of a, an unsatisfactory state of affairs for the ANC, and it also, in a sense, keeps these factional difficulties that the party has suffered under for the last year, keeps them alive 
simply through the polarization of the top six positions. Now, with the three um, that you mentioned, for instance, David Mabuza, the Deputy President, and uh, the Secretary General, who um, will have a strong um, hold in terms of the branches as to the SG's role within the top six or within the African National Congress, are there fears that uh, Zuma's, uh, the former um, ANC leader, President Jacob, well, President Jacob Zuma, um, still has influence in in the decision making and the top six currently? Look, I'm not so. I, I don't have sort of the same fear that some would have that uh, Jacob Zuma would still call the shots uh, from by using, let us say, proxies who've now been elected into the top six. I think the era of Jacob Zuma has largely passed. Clearly, the problem um, for Ramaphosa is just what to do with uh, President Jacob Zuma. Uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, whoever would have won yesterday, whether it has been Ramaphosa or Mrs. Dlamini Zuma, uh, both of them would ideally want to assume the position of President of South Africa as soon as possible. Uh, And I think clearly uh, for Ramaphosa, the difficulty now is to find a suitable exit strategy for President Zuma himself to allow Ramaphosa to get into the top job, to attempt some sort of reboot, and also to start some sort of reboot for the ANC as it moves towards this hotly contested 2019 election. But uh, I'm not convinced that uh, President Zuma really will have uh, any substantial influence, despite the fact that, let us say, uh, uh, two of the top six are more inclined towards his way of thinking or his particular faction. I do think, though, that the new top six is likely to find a much smoother, easier exit uh, for Jacob Zuma, uh, an exit that affords him, I suppose, a sense of protection uh, during his retirement, protection away from uh, the various legal challenges that uh, certainly have plagued him over the course of the last few months. Do you think he will get that protection? Do you think there will be some internal wrangling taking uh, happening behind the scenes uh, outside of the public domain? I would suspect so. I think the fact that um, the uh, part ANC was, was so deeply split down the middle in terms of a more prosumer camp versus uh, 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 let us say, a, a camp that wanted more dramatic reform and perhaps even some degree of retribution against President Zuma. The fact that uh, it was so split down the middle, the fact that I don't think uh, that Ramaphosa would want to risk further instability in the ANC by throwing Jacob Zuma to the wolves, so to speak, um, I think that all points to a uh, an easier retirement for President Zuma. There are question marks, though. There are legal hurdles to overcome. What to do about uh, the proposed uh, Judicial Commission of Inquiry into state capture that um, has now been laid down by the courts? Uh, this is a very serious matter. It can indeed um, embarrass the president and indeed the president's family as well. Uh, and there are other unresolved issues relating to corruption charges against President Zuma and there's always the possibility of private prosecutions that can be brought against um, the president by civil society in South Africa. So it's not quite clear exactly how President Zuma would escape many of these uh, legal hurdles, um, but it is also now, I think, entirely possible that um, a deal can be struck uh, to um, uh, protect him or provide some sort of uh, pardon or even some sort of legal immunity to him. And I think there would be buy-in now from a broad section of the ANC uh, going forward. But look, I think there's a fair amount of dust that we'll still have to settle on all of these vexed issues um, before we can really make any clear judgment on it.
Daniel, speaking of now um, issues within the, the, the African National Congress, where um, as a lot of analysts and a lot of, of the, the ANC members themselves have come out and stated the fact that the internal wranglings had led to um, the ANC um, losing sight of what they are mandated to do, and that's ensuring that the people of South Africa um, get their what is due to them in terms of deliverables, in terms of service, and, and everything that they promised during their campaign trails. The loss of three very big metros, that's uh, Johannesburg, uh, Tswane, and uh, uh, um, um, in the Eastern Cape. Now, bearing that in mind, do you think that uh, this new leadership will sort of try and work in unison, unity, and, and, and rebuild the African National Congress going forward, looking at the fact that in terms of time frames, 2019 is just around the corner. Yeah, look, I think there, there's no doubt that um, uh, the body of the ANC understand that Cyril Ramaphosa is the better bet when it comes to attempting to claw back some of this lost support that you've mentioned. And I think that was probably the defining factor is how Ramaphosa managed to win this. He won it by a, a very narrow margin, but I think he won it on the basis that uh, this is the better man to have as the front of house or the front face of the ANC as it moves into that election campaign. So I, I do think that um, Ramaphosa, if he can be his own man, if he's not seen as a puppet, if he's not seen with hands tied, um, I think that he can claw back some of that lost support. I think there'll be a PR buzz about renewal in the ANC and Ramaphosa will be that front of house face. So one shouldn't really underestimate the importance of Ramaphosa in being able to bring some of that support back. Um, but I, I suspect that's a, that's a short-term issue. And ultimately, we're talking here about a year, 18 months towards the next election. So in the short term, I think Ramaphosa can restore some damage. But ultimately, if the ANC remains divided and the election results yesterday indicates these deep divisions have simply not gone away, one of, no one side of these two big factions have been able really to establish a critical mass to enable them to implement the way they would like to see it. Both of the two factions are going to effectively have their hands tied in some way or other. This can create messy politics for the ANC, it can, it can perpetuate divisions, it can create policy gridlock going forward as neither side really can agree properly on what kind of new strategies to implement. And in the more medium term, that will come back to haunt uh, the ANC unless, they, unless Ramaphosa himself can somehow really stamp his authority. And the real question I think we have to wait for still is what will be the composition of this National Executive Committee, the NEC of the ANC, that will be announced during the course of today. If that body is more pro-Ramaphosa, Ramaphosa does get a boost. If that body is indeed equally divided between the various factions, then again I think we might have policy stalemate, and that's not going to be good for the ANC in the medium term. Do you think uh, we, we might be likely to see uh, President Jacob Zuma resign from the position of uh, president of the country? Uh, well, I think that will largely be based upon what kind of exit strategy can be um, afforded President Zuma. So uh, I think we've seen delays on that up until now. There have been calls by internal bodies within the ANC for the president to resign. These legal question marks, I think, are unresolved, and until such a time as there can be a resolution to that, the president may cling on to power. 
But I do think that um, Ramaphosa, or even if it was Dr. Vlamini Zuma who was elected last night, either of the two would prefer, I think, to clearly be at the seat of power as president of South Africa. Uh, And for the ANC, it's necessary that uh, there aren't two seats of power, that there isn't the president, Jacob Zuma, on the one hand, delivering the State of the Nation address again, whilst um, Ramaphosa sits in the Thule House as head of the ANC. Uh, This really, I think, would confuse the matter for the electorate. Uh, It wouldn't allow the ANC really to progress further with Jacob Zuma still ultimately plodding along in the office of the president um, as an outgoing, what I call, lame duck president. So I think there will be an an attempt to find a solution to allow the president to uh, retire um, early. But again, I think these legal complications are really the fly in the ointment, so to speak, and uh, we'll have to wait a little longer. It it may not be an imminent retirement from President Zuma until such a time as a safe passage uh, is secured for him. Daniel, one of the biggest uh, um, uh, sort of shortcomings or shortfalls of the new um, ANC uh, top six leadership is the fact that there's only one woman um, in the top six currently, and that's the Deputy Secretary General, Jesse Duarte. This the, and this has been described as a regression by a lot of uh, political analysts and a lot of women, um, uh, you know, just looking at uh, the top six. What does this really say? Was uh, this intentional um, by uh, the leadership or the movement or this is just something that happened and uh, it's probably only now or, or last night where they realized that actually we've only got one woman in the top six of the African National Congress and uh, they've been advocating for uh, more women leadership. Yeah, look, um, we've certainly heard a lot of rhetoric about uh, gender representativity, and that rhetoric didn't come to pass at all. Uh, Look, I think when deals are struck in terms of how to construct that top six, um, there are going to be losers. And this whole election process for the top six is quite ruthless, in a sense, for um, Dr. Dlamini Zuma. Um, You know, she had a, a very strong shot at being president of South Africa, uh, by a few hundred votes, she loses, and of course, uh, she doesn't take any position in the top six at all. So uh, the process itself, I think, has got its uh, has got its sort of complications in terms of preventing a greater degree of gender representativity and the complexities of these deals um, and the various sort of slates um, really compounded that. I don't think there was any deliberate attempt uh, to keep women out of the top six positions. And ultimately, in a um, Ramaphosa cabinet, um, I think the pressure will be on to make that cabinet a lot more representative and indeed um, to include now, given her strong showing, uh, Dr. Lamini Zuma in that cabinet as well. And that is largely where I think um, Ramaphosa can make up for the uh, bias towards men uh, in the top six. Daniel, very quickly, just in wrapping up, do you think that once uh, uh, Cyril Ramaphosa is in the driving seat of being the president of the country, um, are we likely to see major changes within the um, the executive or the in government itself, where there's been a call for um, the deputy president post to be scrapped? Do you think we're likely going to see something radical like that, or um, is it going to be a wait-and-see approach? 
Yeah, I don't think we're going to see anything too radical. I think uh, the fact that uh, there are checks and balances now on Ramaphosa from uh, the Magashuli Mabuza uh, uh, view of the world, I think, will prevent uh, too much radical change occurring. But if Ramaphosa can get the National Executive Committee behind him, um, I think he will have a much stronger mandate to effect some sort of change. There will be new brooms within the ANC executive, within the cabinet, no doubt. Um, and I think there will be a, an attempt by Ramaphosa to shift the sentiment about South Africa from an from investor point of view. Um, but this is going to be a very tough ride for him. He will have to exert substantial influence. He will have to show that he is a, a strong man of note to combat many of these forces that I think would want to um, alter his course or take an alternative view. Uh, and uh, the victory for Ramaphosa really, um, you know, I don't think we can make any judgment on, uh, on how successful this victory will be for him until we get to a position where he does take over as president and we see whether he can exert some sort of independence in terms of how he creates his executive and, for that matter, how he approaches policy-making. His biggest challenge is to uh, attempt to uh, reform our economic policy in South Africa and find a mixed message between the more populist, uh, radical um, philosophies and a more market-friendly or investor-friendly approach to doing business. And that's a balancing act that, um, uh, given the current divisions in the ANC, will be very, very difficult to achieve. Daniel, as uh, we all know, it's uh, waiting now for the rest of the officials of the nas- that will make up the National Executive Committee. And uh, once that is out in the public domain, then uh, obviously we'll know, we'll probably have an idea of what exactly is to follow. But this is a very big developing story and the whole world is watching. Um, thank you so much for joining us, Daniel. We'll leave it there for now. Pleasure. Thanks so much. That was Daniel Silk, a political analyst, joining us on the line. Channel Africa. Kulto Njoy Addis Ababa. Africa Rise and Shine. I am Hilda Kekeloa in Zambia. This is Simon Muchemwa in Harare, Zimbabwe. Jean Noel Bamwisi, Channel Africa, Kinshasa. From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese, and Chinyanja. This is Moki Kinzaka. In Yaoundi. Informing the world about Africa. In Lesotho. And I am Dana Wanyonyi for Channel Africa in Mombasa. It's 26 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. The family members of newly elected ANC President Sil Ramaphosa was jubilant to hear that one of their own will soon become the country's president. Ramaphosa became the governing party's 14th president after a bruising leadership contested at the Nazarek Expo Center in the south of Johannesburg on Monday. The new ANC president was born in Shawela, Soweto and grew up in Venda. Both his surviving sister and former primary school principal said they are proud of his achievement. And Debo Mokobo has more. It was jubilation in Shawela Soweto following the news that Cyril Ramaphosa is the new ANC president. 
He won the leadership race against ANC NEC member and former chairperson of the AU Commission, Dr. Nkosa Sanatlamini Zuma. Speaking to the SAPC at his family house in Shawela, his sister Ivira Maposa says she is confident her brother will never disappoint the country. Thank you, my brother. I'm very happy. What have happened, I'm very, very happy for you. As a sister, I know that you are very humble. You respect everybody. You won't even do anything wrong. You'll be just as you are. Cyril Ramaphosa was born in Soweto on the 17th of November in 1952. He went to Chilitsi Primary School in Shawela here in Soweto and completed his schooling in Sibasa Village in Venda. But like any other teacher who would be proud of his or her product, his primary school principal Stelane Mukula says she's proud of Elena. I feel very, very delighted because I never thought that one day I'll see a young man like Cyril being on this portfolio. Looking at this young man, how intelligent he was, a hard worker, a person who loved education. I knew that one of the good days he will be somewhere. And I am saying I am very proud and I wish him the best and the success in his leadership to uplift our country. And hundreds of locals were visibly happy to hear that one who was born and grew up in their midst is now the leader of the biggest liberation movement in the continent and will possibly become the country's president come 2019. I'm very much jubilant that he is the president of the ANC. He's going to bring some transformation and a lot of change in the country, give us a direction, good leadership skills, and uh, introduce new principles and carry out the mandates which have been raised at the current conference which was held. I know you do well for the whole country. You won't like do it for the people in Shawela or for his nation or Vendak speaking people but you will do it for everyone because Sir Ramaphosa is a humble man with humanity that is what we want. We want people with Ubuntu. Not only for the Ramaphosas but for everyone. And the jubilations went well into the night with some on their car's rooftops while others sang programa posa songs. I am Debo Mokobo for SAPC Shawela in Soweto. Our headlines up next are Than Musa. A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Musan. The headlines delegates at South Africa's ruling ANC's national conference is now to vote for 80 members of the party's national executive committee. The ANC elected Cyril Ramaphosa as its new president last night. The DRC's opposition ramped up pressure on President Joseph Kabila to quit calling for street protests. And the International Red Cross says the suffering in rebel-held enclave in Syria has reached a critical point amid intensified fighting. Those are the stories making headlines.
Thank you, And Whilst there seemed to be general consensus amongst delegates attending South Africa's ruling ANC's 54th National Elective Conference that the top six positions were satisfactorily filled by leaders representative of different factions within the party, analysts believe the mixture of those leaders is a complex one and have suggested that it could be a recipe for disaster. They say while Cyril Ramaphosa might have won the party's presidential seat, his opponent, Dr. Nkosa Zanatlamini Zuma Slate, won the contest. A top six leaders announced last night at the Nazrek Expo Center in Johannesburg are a combination of those that had been identified by the two contenders for their respective camps. Delegates are, however, adamant that the winners will help bridge the party's struggle for unity, which has crippled the ANC over the years. Selina Dobong has more. The ANC has become bedeviled with crippling problems of factionalism, political killings and a fierce internal struggle for access to resources. But the party's members say the new top six leadership demonstrates that days of slate politics and division in the party are over. Two of the leaders who won the seat come from Soro Ramaphosa's team. That is the national chairperson Guedemantashe and treasurer general Paul Mashatile. Even though she did not succeed, Dr. Nkosazana Zamini Zuma Slate took the lion's share of the votes, with three seats being taken by her pre-selected team. The position of deputy president will now be filled by David Mabuza. Ace Mahashule won the secretary general seat, and the deputy secretary seat was taken by Jesse Duarte. This is a completely mixed slate that party members say was much needed. This example rule being set here. The ANC come up tops, United Front. I think when the when the conference close, we go back to our community as a unity in the ANC, and that's in, that's important. I think there's no losers and winners, but important parties, the ANC wins. You see, there was there was two caucuses, there was two caucuses, and I think both caucuses was accommodated in the top six. ANC branch members, the delegate speaks, they say we want a united ANC and we take it. All of us was praying for God, never mind all of us is not Christians, we was praying for God for the unity and the ANC must go back to basis and, and build us and bring us like brothers and sisters again. Political analyst Richard Callant says Cyril Ramaphosa will find it very difficult to weave his way through the complexities of this divided and mixed leadership. He says Ramaphosa will spend a lot of time putting out fires within the party instead of growing it. He's going to find, have to find a way of managing the fact that he will have very strong opponents and people with very different approaches to politics and even to, to policy and ideology in the top six and they will have to find a way of accommodating each other and working together so that the ANC can um, rebrand itself and reset itself and to use its language self-correct. There will be a number of kind of um, litmus test issues. The first one will be uh, around government public expenditure priorities in the sense that the government faces the harshest, toughest public expenditure choices that's had since 1994. You can't have free fees, a nuclear deal, uh, maintain at inflation rates public sector wages 
uh, and keep the social expenditure on schools and welfare. You can't do all of those things when you have a fiscal crunch. So the government's going to have to face some choices, and the ANC has to guide the government. And, and tough choices and decisive choices are going to be expected of this new leadership. Slate politics was a major cause of division before the party's national conference at Polokwane in 2007. Consequently, it adopted a resolution at the Mangaung conference in 2012 that condemned slate politics and the resulting division and factionalism. The resolution prescribed that the party needed to address the underlying issues that led to the emergence of slate politics and said it must not be allowed to take root. Reporting for Channel Africa from the NASREC Expo Center in Johannesburg, I am Selina Ntobong. The election of the Premier of South Africa's Mpumalanga province, David Dabete Mabuza, as the new ANC Deputy President has not come as a surprise to many. Mabuza, or DD as he is popularly known, has been the Premier of Mpumalanga for the past eight years and previously held various leadership positions in the province. Vusitwala has more. David Mabuza was born and bred in Mpumalanga. He matriculated at Kumbula High School outside White River, north of Mbombela. Mabuza first showed signs of leadership as the secretary of the Azanian Students' Organization for a year between 1984 and 1985. He also obtained his teacher's diploma from the Mkwenya College of Education in the mid-1980s. Former Mpumalanga Premier and ANC Treasurer General Dr. Matthews Posa recruited Mabuza to the United Democratic Front in 1986. For two years, Mabuza was the chairperson of the National Education Union of South Africa. In 1989, Mabuza completed his Bachelor of Arts degree at the University of South Africa and was also the coordinator of the National Education Crisis Committee. Between 1988 and 1991, he was the chairperson of the Teachers' Trade Union, SATU. For four years, from 1994 to 1998, Mabuza was the ANC regional chairperson. His other ANC leadership roles were as Mpumalanga deputy chairperson, national executive committee member, and also as provincial chairperson. However, in 2000, when Mabuza was the Mpumalanga education MEC, Allegations of inflated metric results emerged. Political conflict between him and Posa ended up in court when Posa alleged that Mabuza was a former apartheid spy. But that wasn't the end of their battle. Days before the ANC's 54th National Elective Conference at Nazarek in southern Johannesburg, Posa took the ANC in Pumalanga to court. He alleged that branch general meetings had violated the party's constitution. However, the case was urgently withdrawn from the Johannesburg High Court with both of them reaching an out-of-court settlement. Other challenges that have tested Mabuza's leadership include the rift between the ANC and its alliance partner, the South African Communist Party. Their differences came to the fore when their members fought against each other during a meeting at Ganyamazane in Bombela. This led to the SACP accusing Mabuza of poor leadership. But SACP Mpumalanga Secretary Bonagele Machuba says the ANC alliance currently enjoys good relations. A year ago we had alliance summit where we tried our level best to mend our relations. And uh, so far since the alliance summit, 
our relations are better and have improved. We are now relating like matured people. We respect each other. We engage on issues. And uh, we believe that uh, though we remain with differences, we are treating our differences in a mature manner. We know that we are different people with different minds. Following the disbandment of the ANC Youth League under Julius Malema, who was subsequently expelled from the ANC, Bumalanga became the first province to elect a Youth League leadership structure. All the other provinces followed suit, resulting in a national ANC Youth League conference being held. Desmond Muela, also from Pumalanga and who is regarded as being close to Mabuza, was elected ANC Youth League deputy president. Muela says he has learned a lot from Mabuza. He has groomed me very well. I've learned a lot. He's a leader that was an ANC that is united. He cares about people. He pulls the interests of uh, the people first rather than his interests. So at all times, Comrade DT wants to be associated with disciplined people and also focused people who will take care of those who voted for the ANC. It was also under Mabuza that Energy Minister and former Intelligence Minister David Matlobo rose to power. He describes Mabuza as a remarkable leader. I'm one of those young staff because of his belief in young people and the value of education that he turned me and other companies to various universities like University of Zuliland, University of the North, University of Redwaterland, University of Western Cape. And we all now we are leaders because the men are united us. He allowed us an opportunity to grow. He has been through the changes in our movement during the underground work and the issue of the National Education Crisis Committee. And it's been instrumental in rebuilding the ANC after a number of difficulties the province has experienced. The number of ANC members in Pumalanga has grown under Mabuza, resulting in Pumalanga being the second largest province of delegates after Wazulu-Natal at the ANC National Conference in southern Johannesburg. Many are now wondering and probably speculating who will replace Didi Mabuza as Mpumalanga Premier and ANC Provincial Chairperson as he gets ready to move to the ANC's headquarters, Lutuli House, in Johannesburg. Amvusi Twala in Bombela. Zimbabwe's army chiefs yesterday announced the end of the military intervention which forced former President Robert Mugabe to resign while urging citizens to remain alert and allow a smooth transition of government. Zimbabwe's military took over the country's affairs on November the 15th as internal feuding escalated in the governing ZANU-PF party over the Mugabe succession. The army's intervention was followed by mass street protests against Mugabe and a motion to impeached the veteran ruler who resigned in a letter to Parliament as proceedings to recall him began. Simon Muchema has more. On a rainy Monday afternoon on the 13th of November, the Zimbabwean military broke from the tradition and announced Operation Restore Legacy. This came as a shock to many Zimbabweans who interpreted this to mean the country was now experiencing a coup. However, the army general said this was neither a coup nor a bloody takeover, but an operation targeted at criminals surrounding the former president Robert Mugabe. For a week, Mugabe remained in power 
and according to some refusing to step down. As pressure swelled through an impeachment process in Parliament, Mugabe finally hung his balls. However, a few days after the ZANU-PF Extraordinary Congress on Friday, Commander Zimbabwe National Army Lieutenant General Philip Valerius Banda announced an end to the military operation. The Defense and Security Services come before you once again to pronounce the end of Operation Restore Legacy. Operation Restore Legacy was launched on the 13th of November 2017 and its main objective was to remove criminals that had surrounded the former president, resulting in anxiety and despondence amongst our people. While some of the individuals have been accounted for, others kept the country. According to the military, the operation was so successful that the country returned to its rightful place in the Sadak region and the world at large. In the run-up to the military intervention, the army alleges Mugabe was now under the whims of his wife Grace, who is on the record of abusing other politicians in the public. The objectives of the operation have, to a large extent, been achieved. Besides the above-mentioned objective, Operation Restore Legacy has had wider implications on the political, economic and social activities of our people. In this regard, a new political dispensation has been ushered in to take Zimbabwe into its rightful place within the SADC and the world at large. The nation will recall that before the statement that was issued by the commander of Zimbabwe Defense Forces, General Constantino Guvea Dominic Nikazino Chuenga, on the 13th of November, many political, economic and security events had taken place, all of which had the effect of causing anxiety and despondence among the generality of our people, as well as destabilizing the defense and security services of our country. Sibanda added, The general statement was followed by a series of political events. And that report by Simon Muchelma. A very good morning. Major business bodies have welcomed the newly elected South Africa's ruling ANC leadership. The Chamber of Mines says it's hoping to see a renewed focus by the governing party following the election of a new leadership with the businessman, Cyril Ramaphosa, as its president. A business unity South Africa, BUSA, wants to see decisive steps to restore confidence. Tepomongwai reports. The Chamber of Mines says the newly elected president of the ANC and members of the National Executive Committee have a considerable task at hand. It says the future of South Africa and its people depend on them. Business Unity South Africa has congratulated the new team at the helm of the ruling party. Busa has affirmed that business stands ready to work in partnership with the newly elected leadership to create a conducive environment for sustainable and inclusive economic growth. It says the new leadership will need to take decisive steps to build business confidence and address the country's declining fiscal and macroeconomic position. 
Meanwhile, market commentators are concerned about the mixed result of the ANC's leadership election. Three of the top six leaders elected are from Deputy President Cyril Ramaphosa's camp, including the new ANC president himself, while the other three backed his rival, Nkosazana Lamine Zuma. The rand firm to 12.68 to the US dollar on the news of Ramaphosa's election, but this morning it's trading at around 12 to 90 to the dollar. BNP Paribas SA's senior economist Jeff Schutz says it may be difficult for the ANC to self-correct given the number of what he calls pro-Zuma members in the top six. We are pretty disappointed, to be honest with you. It's quite clear from the makeup of the top six is that it's pretty much split between the Cyril Ramaphosa camp and the uh, President Jacob Zuma camp. Uh, you've got two premier leaguers, uh, Ace Magashule as Secretary General, as well as uh, Didi Mabuza as Deputy President. We don't view that as a particularly positive market outcome. It has to be said, it's probably one of the poorer outcomes we could have hoped for in terms of the ANC self-correcting between now and 2019. I think that uh, ultimately some negativity will start creeping back into the currency. Scientists from the Center for Agriculture and Biosciences International have raised concerns that an attack on the world's banana production is worse than first feared, with a perfect storm of three pests having the potential to decimate around 35 billion US dollars worth of crops. Biosecurity experts believe that the effects of the fungus, known as a Panama disease, a tropical race fall, together with banana bunchy top virus and the banana skipper butterfly, could destroy banana plantations across Asia, Africa and Latin America. There are currently no cultivars resistant to these three threats. Bananas are a vital part of the diet of more than 400 million people in developing countries. They are grown by millions of smallholder farmers who also rely upon them for their livelihoods. In Africa, around 70 million people are dependent on bananas in some way, while Latin America accounts for around 60% of global banana sales. And in some instances, for breakfast, you can have a banana and oats. The government of Zambia has announced that measures have been put in place to ensure processing of land title deed is completed within a month. Minister of Lands Gianna Capata has warned that government will revoke and re-advertise over 13,000 land offers that have not been paid for over five years. The minister was responding to a question raised by a journalist during the PF Interactive Forum who wanted to know the practical measures that the ministry had put in place to ensure issuance of title deeds was accelerated. The US dollar trades at 12.90 to the South African rand. It's at 10.1 to the Botswana Pula and at 9.88 to the Zambian Guaja. It's also trading at 74 pence to the British pound and at 84 cents to the euro. Gold trades at $1,260. Platinum is at $903 an ounce. The price of brand crude oil is at $63.37 a barrel. I'm Toby Solohoko live from Johannesburg.
A sports update up next with Figile Lingwati. In this hour in our bullet sports bulletin, we begin with the cricket news. South Africa's Biz Hub Highfield Lions cricket team head coach Jeffrey Doyana believes that the Proteas' upcoming four-day and night test match against Zimbabwe in Port Elizabeth in the Eastern Cape province is said to be an interesting affair for both the players and the spectators. The first ever pink ball test match on African soil takes place from the 26th of December with key players expected to make their return to the test for South Africa. I think ICC are doing a trial, you know, like with this four-day test matches. And um, yes, we're playing our first one in PE. It should be quite interesting how the Protea side, you know, looks. With guys like ABD Vila's back, guys like Delstein, you know, back as well. So I think um, those two players in particular will um, strengthen us, you know, as we move forward. So very, very excited to see how a day-night match will go, you know, like in South Africa. And obviously it is a four-day game with a minimum of 90 eight overs I think you know to be played and uh, if you compare you know like in the five day test matches where like 90 overs are bowled you know per day but uh, to come now you know like in bold 98 overs will really really be something that the crowd in South Africa will want to see and see how things pan out. The former South Africa's under 19 coach Toyana warns that South Africa should not take neighbor Zimbabwe lightly. Zimbabwe have been uh, strengthened you know as well by guys like Taylor coming back to like play test cricket I think South Africa must not take them you know lightly because they do have a good group of players who can really really perform under pressure as well and uh, but moving forward I really think that the Indian series and the Australian series will test you know like our side and hopefully by that time we would have had a balanced squad that um, you know we need it's going to be tough but guys like Moreno Mokel as well he played in the amateur game last week so I think he's back you know like and firing I mean there's KG in my opinion is the leader of that attack so it will be quite interesting who they go for I mean you've got Van you've got Stain and Morne Mokel as well and uh, obviously the spin you know like of Kishav Maharaj who I believe is the best spinner you know like in South Africa will quite be interesting and also the balance of the side Swimming news, South African swimmer Shad Leclerc is setting his sights on becoming the most decorated Commonwealth athlete of all time during the Games on Australia's Gold Coast in April next year. The current record of 18 medals is being held by sports shooters Mick Gold and Phil Adams. In only two Commonwealth Games, Leclerc has managed to rack up 12 medals. Uh, we've done a lot of, like I say, a lot of really hard work. I mean, I've done 45 k's this week uh, in the training. Um, you know, leading up to the champ, so like there's no rest whatsoever. You know, usually we're doing like 15 to 20 k's leading up to the week, so almost double that. And I'm just, uh, yeah, very happy with how it's gone. And lastly, Russian boat sledder Alexei Vuveda has been given a live ban from the Olympics for anti-doping violations at the Sochi Games, where he won two gold medals. That's a sport news this hour. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zola. Africa, Amuka, Na Unai.
Recapping our top stories on Africa Rise and Shine at the Sawa, mixed reaction to elections of South Africa's ruling ANC new leaders and Zimbabwe's army ends intervention, which forced Robert Mugabe to resign. That wraps up Africa Rise and Shine today. For myself, Lukabu, producers Pumutu Ramagadza and Jen Rabutata, technical producer Mario Edwards and the rest of the team, thank you for joining us. For comments about our show, send us an email at info at channelafrica.co.za or tweet us at Africa or send an SMS on 277-969-57930 or WhatsApp on 277-6300-3327. And taking us to the top of the hour for the news on the frequency 7230 kHz on the 41-meter band to southern Africa's Kajanin with a song title Sambolera.